15 to 20. That's page 833 in your pew Bibles. And then I'll turn just a couple pages over to 2 Timothy 2. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Speaking of Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then a couple pages over, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Paul writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. And won't you please pray with me as we begin. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together with your people in your presence. May your spirit quiet our minds. May you impress upon us the fact that we are in the presence of the Holy God. And Father, this evening we wish to see Jesus. May you reveal him to us through your word. And may we respond with worship and adoration and praise and obedience. For your glory, in Christ's name. Amen. Earlier this year, my family and I had gotten into the car on Sunday morning, and we were headed to church, and I think we were running a little bit late. It was going to be close, and uh, we hadn't gone too far, and my wife Amy says to me, Troy, we have to go back. And I said, sure, honey, whatever you need, my love. (laughs) Now, why are you laughing? I don't know if those were my exact words, probably not the exact words, but I do remember that when I turned to her, I started laughing because I immediately saw why we needed to go back. She still had her slippers on. She had forgotten to put her shoes on. And the busyness of getting our five children ready, which is largely her job, we have four girls, one boy, so I do Luke's hair and she does the girl's hair, Uh, she had forgotten to put her own shoes on. She had forgotten to get herself ready. Uh, and we do that all the time, don't we? We forget things every day. Every day is really a, a struggle to remember to do things, to not forget to do other things. Children forget things all the time. They forget to tie their shoes. They forget to put their shoes away. They forget their coats. They forget to shut the door. They forget to hang their coats up. They forget to turn the lights off. As they get older, they forget to do their homework. Or maybe they go to school and they did their homework, but they forget and they left it at home. Or they forget their lunch and parents have to drive to school and bring it to them. We forget things all the time. As a youth pastor, I've gone on several trips with teenagers. And you'll be amazed at the things that they forget when they go on a weekend retreat or on a week-long mission trip. 
On a winter retreat, they forget their coats and their boots, their hats and their gloves. They forget their bags. They forget their money. You could spend a week with them on a mission trip and find out at the end of the week that they have forgotten their toothbrush. But you know, they're not the only ones who forget things. Just a month ago, we went on our fall retreat, and I had forgotten to even get or bring the graham crackers and the marshmallows and the chocolate for the s'mores, and hopefully they forgive me for that. I also had forgotten to call sheets and tell them that a hundred kids were going to show up, and so we were there for a long time, as they only had two people to man the MTO orders, and we had a lot of orders, so we spent a lot of time at sheets. So we forget little things every day. But we also forget much more important things, too, don't we? We forget people's names. We forget anniversaries or birthdays. And sometimes people forget their wedding vows and don't hold up to them. But this this evening, as I was thinking about this, I was wondering, is it possible, at this time of year particularly, the Advent and Christmas season, is it possible for us to forget the most important person to have ever lived, the most important person in our lives, is it possible for us to forget our Savior, Jesus Christ? And I think you know the answer. The answer, sadly, is yes. It is possible. Not only is it possible, but it happens. It happens every day. And it's happening now. And not just out there. It's not just happening to people who don't know Jesus Christ. It's happening to us. It's happening to you. It's happening to me. We, God's children, we also forget Jesus Christ. And so that's why I want to look at Paul's words to Timothy this evening. His command here to remember Jesus Christ. It seems so simple and yet so profound. And it is a command. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just a good idea. It's a command from God himself. Remember Jesus Christ. And the idea is that it is a continual act that we do. We are to keep on remembering Jesus Christ. It's not just a once and done thing. We are always to keep in mind Jesus Christ. Always to think about Jesus Christ. So this is the command that we have. And this evening, I just want to exhort you to do that tonight, the rest of this Advent Christmas season, and every moment and every day of your life, to remember Jesus Christ, remember who he is, and remember why he came. Paul says in 2 Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, pointing to the fact that he is fully God. Jesus Christ is God himself. Colossians tells us that he is the image of the invisible God, that in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And in John 1, we read that in the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And later in John, Jesus Christ himself will say, He who has seen me has seen the Father. So we remember that Jesus Christ is fully God. He is God himself. The baby born in Bethlehem, Jesus Christ is fully God. And so we must remember that. We must remember who he is. I want us to look at two aspects of who he is as God that we see in Colossians 1 tonight. First of all, we see that Jesus Christ is our creator. Colossians says that by him all things were created. And John 1 goes on and says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. 
Psalm 19.1 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So let's think about this for a minute. The diameter of the sun is 864,000 miles. That's 100 times greater than the diameter of earth. If the sun was a hollow ball, you could fit 1.3 million planets the size of earth inside the sun. The brightest star in our sky, Sirius, is twice as big as the sun. That means you could fit 2.5 million planets the size of earth inside that star. Betelgeuse, one of the stars that's visible in the constellation Orion, it is 300 times bigger than our sun. You could fit 400, 400 million planet Earths inside that star. We know that light travels at 186,000 miles per second. So it takes eight and a half minutes for light from the sun to reach the earth. Now, if you could travel at that speed from the earth... You could reach the moon in a second and a half. You could reach Mars in four and a half minutes. You could reach Jupiter in 35 minutes. Pluto in five hours and 20 minutes. Alpha Centauri, the closest star to the sun, would take you four years and four months. Sirius, the brightest star, would take you eight and a half years. And Betelgeuse would take you 522 years, traveling at 186,000 miles a second. It's mind-boggling. If you could count the stars... As you traveled across the Milky Way, our galaxy, a distance that would take you 100,000 years, traveling at 186,000 miles a second, you would come across hundreds of billions of stars. And our galaxy is only one among billions of galaxies. It is incomprehensible. It is mind-boggling. The heavens declare the glory of our Creator. And listen to what Prophet Isaiah says. Prophet Isaiah says, lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Billions upon billions of stars, enormous, beyond our comprehension. They are there because God put them there one by one and he knows them each by name. No wonder the psalmist cries out, When I look to the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? But Jesus Christ is mindful of us. Because not only did he create the expanse of the heavens, but he created you and he created me. And he made us in his own image. Jesus Christ, who would be born a baby in Bethlehem, made it all. He created everything. See, the Bible says in Colossians that not only were all things made by him, but all things were made for him. We have been created to remember Jesus Christ. We have been created for his glory. Jesus Christ has made you. He formed you and fashioned you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He's given you life. Every breath that you have, you owe to Jesus Christ. He made you, and so by right of creation, you belong to him. Jesus Christ says of each one of us, you are mine. You belong to me. Remember me. So we are to remember Jesus Christ, our maker, 
We belong to Him. We were made for Him. We were made to worship, to adore Him, to love Him, to delight in Him and to display His greatness, to make His glories known. But we forget Jesus Christ, don't we? We forget Him when we worship and serve created things rather than the Creator. This is modern-day idolatry. When we give worth and value to things above Jesus Christ. When we look to anything other than Jesus Christ for our source of satisfaction or joy or contentment. Whether that would be a new car or a bigger house or maybe just a cleaner house or a beautiful lawn or the most Christmas lights decorating our lawn. Or we look to good kids or good grades or nice clothes or the latest video game or the latest technological gadget or a better stock portfolio, or more money, or athletic success, or entertainment, or material goods, or toys, or stocking gifts, or presents. When we look to anything other than Christ, we are worshiping and serving the created thing rather than the creator. We're like the little kid playing with the box. You all remember those days? You had a little child, an infant, a one-year-old or a two-year-old, and you were looking for the latest toy that they could play with, the bright gadget, maybe that would help them learn. And so you buy it, and you put it in the box, and you wrap it up, and they open it, and what do they do? They toss the gift aside, and they play with the box. So this year, if you have a child, one or two, don't buy them anything. Just wrap up boxes. They won't know. Don't take pictures so later they won't know. They'll just play with it. You don't have to worry about it get broken. And you know, that's okay. That's okay when you're one or two and you don't know any better. But what about when God has revealed his son to us? Why do we still play with the box? Why do we forget Jesus Christ and look for our worth and our value and our meaning and things that weren't meant to fill that purpose in our lives? We've been created for Jesus Christ and for him alone. We were made for so much more. So we need to repent of our idolatry. And we need to remember Jesus Christ. We need to cry out with the psalmist, Lord, turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and give me life in you. Give me life in your ways. Psalm 16.2 says we have no good apart from Christ. And verse 4 says that the sorrows of those will increase who chase after other gods. Your sorrows will increase if you look to anything other than Christ for your reason for living. And then verse 11 says, In his presence is fullness of joy, eternal pleasures at his right hand. We were created to find Christ as our true source of eternal pleasure. So may you remember Jesus Christ, the baby born on Christmas Day. He is your creator. You belong to him. You were made for him. To glory only in him and to make his glories known. Well, not only is Jesus Christ your creator, but he also holds supremacy in your life. He is to be, as John Piper says, the blazing center of your life. Colossians 1 says that Jesus Christ is the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus Christ was the first to be raised from the dead. We know that that was not the case. He himself raised people from the dead while he was alive on earth. He raised Lazarus from the dead. What that word means is that he has the highest rank, the first in rank, the most important. Because without his resurrection, there would be no hope for our resurrection. 
Without his resurrection, there would be no hope for us. But because God has given him the highest rank, he is to have the supremacy in our lives. He is to have the preeminence. He's to occupy first place, top priority in our lives, the blazing center. Everything revolves around Jesus Christ. This is what we have been made for. Everything points to him. Everything is for him. It's for his glory. This means that our families are for Christ. Our marriages are for Christ. Our children are for Christ. Our jobs are for Him, to revolve around Him. Our mission and our ministry, our education and intellect, our time and money, our conversations and our pleasures, our eating, our playing, our athletics, what we watch, our art, our music, our worship, our gifts, and our Christmas. They all are for Christ, to center around Him as he holds the supremacy in our lives. But the problem is we forget Jesus Christ. We forget that all of life is to be centered on Christ, that he holds supremacy in all things. And so what do we do? We compartmentalize our lives, and we think that Jesus Christ is only for a couple hours on Sunday, and that he has no effect on the rest of our lives throughout the rest of the week. And it pains me even to think about that or say that. And yet, there are times when that's true of my own life. Because we forget Jesus Christ. We forget that all of life belongs to Him. That there is not one single speck in all of creation over which our sovereign Christ does not say, that is mine. That's why Paul says in Corinthians, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. Even such mundane things as eating and drinking. It all falls under the supremacy of Jesus Christ. But we forget that he is to be the blazing center of our lives. We forget when we try to take him out of that position and maybe put ourselves in that position because we want to reign, we want to be supreme, we want to do what we want to do. Or maybe we put other people in that position because we want to please people, we want to be liked, and we want to have friends. But everything changes when you remember Jesus Christ. When you center your entire life around him as the blazing center. We remember Jesus Christ when we begin to ask questions like this. How does the way that I spend my time show that Jesus Christ is my treasure? How does the way I spend my time show that he is the blazing center of my life and everything revolves around him? How do the clothes that I wear, the food that I eat, the music that I listen to, the movies and TV shows that I watch, how I spend my money, how I plan my retirement, how I treat my children, the gifts that I ask for and the gifts that I give, how do they show that Christ is supreme in my life, that he is my ultimate treasure? Now, these are not easy questions for us to answer or to live out. Jesus did not say it would be easy. In fact, he would say it would be very difficult to follow him. It would cost us everything. And yet, he also said in the end that what we gain is worth far more than what we give up. He says that asking these kinds of questions point us to the right way to live, the best way to live. They're the kinds of questions that we'll ask when we remember Jesus Christ and we remember who he is. And this kind of Questioning, this attitude, this understanding will lead to a life of worship and adoration of Christ. 
It's the only kind of life that will satisfy, that will fill you with true, lasting joy because that can only be found in Christ alone. It can only be found when you remember Jesus Christ and acknowledge his right to supremacy in your life, in all of your life. So may you remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead so that in all things he may have the supremacy so that he might be the blazing center of your life. We must also remember Jesus Christ, as it says in 2 Timothy 2.8, not just risen from the dead, but descended from David, pointing to the fact that he is fully man. He is our sympathetic and merciful high priest. The fact that Jesus is descended from David indicates his physical lineage. It points to his humanity. This is really what the wonder of Christmas is all about, God being born. The baby in the manger was fully God. And yet he was also fully man. He humbled himself and became a man. And because he's done that, he serves as our sympathetic and merciful high priest. He knows all of our suffering. He's felt all of our pain. He has experienced all of our temptations. And because he's done that, he is able to help us. He is able to sympathize with us. And he has compassion upon us. But also, because Jesus Christ is fully man, he is able to act as our substitute. He's able to take our punishment upon himself, and he's able to die in our place, which points to the reason why he came. We must not just remember who Christ is, that he's fully God, he's fully man, but we also must remember why he came, and he came for our reconciliation. Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. The resurrection proves that Jesus was and is God. It proves that his sacrifice on the cross was effective. It was sufficient. It accomplished its purpose. And the Bible tells us that Christ came to save his people from their sins. This is what the name Jesus means. Yahweh will save. God will save. He came to save us. He came to seek and to save the lost. To give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, Jesus Christ was born to die. He came to save us, and to do that, he had to die. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So really, it's not the birth of Jesus Christ that we celebrate so much that makes all the difference. Rather, it's the fact that Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, died in our place. Colossians says Jesus came to provide reconciliation. It says God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things through Christ by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus came to bring us back to God, to restore what had been lost, to fix what had been broken. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says God made him, Jesus Christ, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ came to take away our sin, to clothe us with his righteousness so that our relationship with God could be restored, so that there could be peace where there had been hatred. He came to provide us with what we need. Our greatest need is for a savior. We need somebody who can change us, somebody who can transform us, somebody who can raise us out of our death And bring us into life. Somebody who can transform us from being at enmity with God. Being his enemies. To being his children. Being his friends. We need somebody who can make us into a new creation. 
And that is why Jesus has come. To provide us with what we really need. Now if you think about it for a minute. Most of us here tonight probably don't really need most of the things that we may get for Christmas this year. Or maybe that we have gotten in the past. We don't necessarily need the typical Christmas gifts. We don't need more money. We don't need the latest video games. We don't need new toys or cars or jewelry or clothes or flat screen TVs or DVD players or iPods or vacation homes. We don't really need those things. What we need more than anything is to remember our Savior, Jesus Christ. And whatever gifts we get, we need to remember to use those for the glory of our Savior. We were created for Him to worship and adore Him in all of life. So whatever you get this Christmas, may it be used to help you remember Jesus Christ, to worship and adore Him, and to point others to Him, because that is what they need the most as well. So perhaps you'll think about that this year as you open your gifts. How can they be used to help you remember Jesus Christ? How can they be used to point others to Jesus Christ? But we often forget Christ, don't we? We forget Him when we forget why He came See, he didn't come just to heal the sick or to care for the poor or the outcasts or to campaign for social justice or to preach a message of love. He did those things, but they were not the primary reason why he came. He came to die for those people. He came to die for you, for me, for all who would believe in him so that whether we are healthy or sick, rich or poor, accepted or cast down, hated or loved, whether any of that is true, he came so that our souls could be saved From hell. He came to take the wrath of God off of us upon himself so that we can be reconciled to God. We remember Jesus Christ when we remember why he came and what he's done for us. We remember Jesus Christ when we remember that Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. We remember Him when we embrace Him in repentance and faith, and when, in view of God's mercies, we offer our very lives as a living sacrifice, and we no longer live for ourselves, but for Him who died for us and was raised again. We remember Him when, in everything we do, we live for His glory, when we are passionate about Jesus Christ and compassionate towards others. We remember Jesus Christ when we seek to be instruments of reconciliation, realizing that God has now given us this message, that we are his ambassadors, that he is speaking through us. He's making his appeal through us. And so we give our lives, we do all we can. We live and speak and serve and love so that God can shout out through us, be reconciled to God. Remember Jesus Christ. And so may you remember Jesus Christ this Christmas. He is your creator. You belong to him. You were created for him. May you worship and adore him alone. May you remember Jesus Christ. He has supremacy in all things. He holds first place in your life. May every aspect of your life revolve around him. May he be the blazing center of your life. May you remember Jesus Christ. 
that he is fully man, and that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Remember that God became a man so that he could die to bring you back to God, to show his great love for you. This Christmas, may you remember Jesus Christ. May you see him as you never have before, and may your soul be satisfied in him alone. May you worship and adore Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, fully God, fully man. There is no one like him. There is no one in heaven or earth who loves you more than Jesus Christ. No one who has done more to prove his love for you. So may you embrace his love for you this Christmas, and may your life, every part of it, be devoted to remembering and worshiping and adoring and loving Jesus Christ your creator and your savior, your God and your king. Amen. Father, we thank you that in your incredible mercy and grace, you have not forgotten us. And we thank you that you never will. That you will never let your children go, that no one can snatch them out of your hand. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We bow before him and worship him. We thank you for your unfailing love. We ask that by the power of your spirit, you would bind our hearts and minds to Christ. That we would set our hearts and minds on him and on things above. That we would love him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And that we would endeavor to always set him before our eyes. To live for his glory. To remind others to seek him. Father, may you be exalted in our lives and through our lives this Christmas season. And may we remember your son, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, as preached in the gospel. We pray this through Christ, our risen Savior. Amen.